Hello, and welcome to Love the Game, Live the Dream. Join me, your host, Nick Holmes, and my array of guests as we prove to you that you don't have to be a Hall of Fame player, a first-round draft pick, or even a high school standout, for that matter, to have a successful career in the sport of baseball. This podcast is brought to you by World Baseball Experience. Love the Game, Live the Dream is an entertaining yet insightful look at some of the baseball world's brightest and most talented minds. You're going to hear the life stories, struggles, and triumphs of everyday coaches, scouts, executives, and even entrepreneurs that are making their mark in baseball and in life by pursuing their passion and love of the greatest game on earth. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy Love the Game, Live the Dream. Welcome back to the show, everyone, and thanks again for listening to another episode of Love the Game, Live the Dream. This is episode five, and today's interview is a little special in the fact that I don't have one or two guests, but I actually have three guests on the show today, and their names are Kelvin, Eli, and Silvio Delgado. And the Delgado brothers were born in Nicaragua, where baseball is the national pastime, um, before their family moved at a very young age to Los Angeles, California. So we're going to be talking to them a little bit about their academy in back in their in their homeland of Nicaragua. The name of the academy is Cinco Australias, where these guys have had a great amount of success in um, in evaluating, training, and developing young ball players in the area for the purpose of signing major league contracts. So they are heavily involved in the international um, side of baseball. They also have a academy in uh, Los Angeles, California, where they continue to train uh, local talent there in, in California. Um, they're currently in the um, head of development for Sierra Canyon High School, and they just do a, a tremendous amount of work for the sport. And just a, just a great group of guys. As always, I get on the show here. I'm excited to introduce you to you. The fun thing about this interview is that it, it took me a little while to track these guys down together. So I actually caught them uh, at the end of a baseball practice right there on the field in their car. So uh, if it sounds a little uh, muffled, that's the reason why. Uh, I, had, I, I had to get these guys when I could, and it's going to be a, a fun interview for you. So if you have any interest in what it takes to uh, get involved in international baseball, you're going to enjoy this interview. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my interview with Los Hermanos Delgado. All right, guys. Well, I'm uh, extremely excited to have both of you finally nailed down here in the same spot, but uh, I definitely want to welcome you guys to this show. So sit back, relax, and listen to my interview here with uh, Eli and Kelvin Delgado. Hey, guys. How you doing? Welcome to the show. Hey, Nick. How are you? Hey, Nick, it's always a pleasure. Nick, and by the way, we also have our other brother, which is Silvio Delgado, included on the on, on this interview. Oh, man, you didn't tell me that. How's it going, Silvio? <laughs> I'm doing well, Nick. How about yourself? Oh, this is incredible. I got the, the whole Delgado clan here. That is correct, sir. <laughs> so, well, tell me, where are you guys right now? Are you in Los Angeles? We're in Sino, California, which is right uh, outside of uh, Los Angeles a bit. Just north of Hollywood, mm-hmm. uh, more in the hills of uh, north of Hollywood. Okay, great. How's the weather today? Gorgeous as always? Uh, 92. Uh, <laughs> can't complain. Uh, it, it's just one day after another, which is really great out here on the on the West Coast. Here in Southern California, you get, uh, you get a lot of beautiful days for baseball. But then again, every day is a beautiful day for baseball. That's right. That's right. It's so funny, too, because this is my... I think fourth podcast now, and so far every guest I have has been from Southern California. 
So uh, <laughs> all, all these listeners are trying to figure out how's this guy from, you know, Newfoundland, Canada, talking to all these guys from, from California. Well, we'll get to that and how we met and all that good stuff um, a little bit later in the interview. But I would like to start off where all good stories start off at the beginning. And I don't, you know, it's, it's okay, whoever wants to go first. But why don't you guys tell the listeners a little bit about where you grew up and uh, how you got first introduced to baseball, either separately or together? Well, uh, this is Calvin. Um, we, we came from Nicaragua back in the uh, late 80s, and uh, we grew up in South L.A. Mm-hmm. Uh, we came to high school in the Valley at Cleveland High School in Reseda. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where... Uh, Eli and I came. Uh, we played baseball there. It was a great league. After that, we went over to uh, uh, play uh, JC College ball, mm-hmm. and uh, and then we played some some overseas baseball as well. Uh, baseball has been part of our life uh, ever, ever since we can remember. Mm-hmm. Right, Eli? Yeah, it's it's always been a part as uh, for some of your listeners or or for yourself. Some people may not know Nicaragua. Is the only Central American uh, country that baseball is the primary sport. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball and boxing second. So we grew up in Nicaragua, and already by the age of five or four or six, you're already playing baseball every day. Right. Uh, it's just the way of life. It's what you did back then. Um, and I would say that that's what allowed us to fall in love with the game because of the fact that um, that's that's all we look forward to doing on a daily basis. So... When we came over, immigrated to this country, um, it was a little bit of a culture shock because we didn't have all day to play baseball. And now we had to go to school. We were like, wait a second, well, what happened to baseball? Right. <laughs> when, when, <laughs> when do we get to play baseball? And so um, so that's when we're introduced to the game. We're fortunate enough to have a grandfather that he uh, sponsored Little League in Nicaragua. Our, our father played some pro ball in our country as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, we, we, we were born into it. So we're fortunate that way. Oh, um, that's great. And so that's how the, the love of the game came about. Okay. All right. And uh, Silvio, if you guys, who's the oldest? Uh, so, hi, guys. I'm Silvio. I'm the oldest of three. Okay. And uh, like Eli Cameron mentioned, uh, we grew up with baseball. Uh, coming back, I mean, immigrated from Nicaragua, the primary sport. Mm-hmm. We got into uh, United States. Uh, we were a little kid to a candy store, you know, uh, getting exposed to Major League Baseball, which is, that was our individual dream for us to one day play professional baseball, well, MLB baseball. Mm-hmm. But uh, like I said, you know, Adam, it has been great for us collectively. And now here you guys are uh, many, many years later still involved in the sport. So tell us about how how you transitioned from being players and loving the game. I mean, obviously, we all get to an age where, uh, you know, we can't play anymore. And, um, you know, some people, that's the end of their baseball career. They don't have anything else to do with it. They go to school. They get jobs. They do other things. Um, tell me how you guys individually uh, stayed involved in the game and are still involved in it today and, and uh, you know, what's going on, you know, currently. Um, I'm, I'm the oldest. I'm Sylvia, 42 years old. I just got back from Nicaragua. I was overseeing the academy that we own in Nicaragua for the past eight months. Mm-hmm. And uh, as we said, you know, baseball is, for us is our aid, our passion, and we'll make our living. As of right now, we're in the process of signing three prospects from Nicaragua to the Dominican Republic League. 
And uh, like I said, you know, I mean, we this is what we do for a living: baseball. We eat mm. and drink baseball all day. Mm-hmm. And so, it, and I just want to just let the listeners know so that you guys have an academy in Nicaragua. You live in Los Angeles, and you take turns going back and forth to oversee the academy. Is that right? Yeah, our father is over there. You know, he oversees it. We have a couple of instructors over there. They, you know, work under my, you know, under my father. And uh, we got a great uh, surprise for you, Nick. We brought a Nick Rowan kid to Encino, California. We got one here. Oh, great! As we speak, and he's been playing with us out here. Uh, metal infielder. Uh, you will love this kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, pop, good arm, good speed. Uh, your typical metal infielder, you know, quick feet, quick hands, uh, good action, and um, we'll send you a video of him so that you can see it and probably share it with your uh, with your fans, your that's audience. A, that's awesome, man. That's great. And just so I can give the listeners a little bit of a quick background on how how we met. Um, Kelvin and I met uh, in the Dominican at Scout School. Uh, was my first time ever going to scout school i was working with the oakland athletics and they sponsored me to go down to the dominican to to learn how to scout and kelvin was uh, one of our instructors there and we met and became friends and uh, then he introduced me to to eli when we got back to the states in los angeles and then later on i i ended up uh getting a chance to meet Silvio as well so you know we developed a friendship and uh Eli came out and done a few. Well, Kelvin, too, you guys did some lessons out at, at my academy there in Sherman Oaks. And, you know, it's just amazing how, you know, baseball brings these, you know, friendships and relationships together and they, they stick around for a long time. And um, I won't get into all the other stuff that we did. You know, I got a chance to go down to Nicaragua and, 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 and scout with the Texas Rangers. And these guys, you know, they showed me the ropes, man. They were the first ones to to really, you know, get my feet wet in the scouting world and the professional side of things. And, and I got to learn to do it in uh, beautiful uh, Nicaragua. So that's a little bit of the background on how we met. And um, Eli, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what it's like being on the, the I guess, agent side of things. Uh, right when you said about baseball and coming full circle and the way the business works, it's, it's, a, it's a relationship game. It's all about your relationships. Um, that nothing that doesn't necessarily mean that just because you didn't play uh, 15 years in the major leagues and didn't get go in the first round and you weren't a top 10 prospect coming out of high school that doesn't mean you're not going to have relationships in the game. Right. Uh, the game itself is only part of it. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a whole business and machine uh, or show that goes behind the game mm-hmm. that that's the industry that you work in. And so the way I come to baseball is uh, Calvin uh, was one of the first guys to work at the uh, MLB Urban Youth Academy mm-hmm. in Compton. Uh, and so I was always hanging around. Calvin uh, would always say, hey, uh, you know, if you have nothing to do this weekend, come over, hang out. Mm-hmm. So I would come over to the academy. I would come hang out. I would volunteer. I would assist. um Pretty much, I was uh, the highest-paid intern because they didn't pay me anything. I was just there, <laughs> and uh, um, I was a gopher. I was, uh, you know, I was I was shagging balls. I was throwing soft toss. I was learning, you know, different things. I was, you know, helping guys on the tee. Pretty much, everything I did was basic baseball one-on-one. I wasn't doing anything 
You know, we're not talking launch angles. We're not talking spin rates. You know, we're right. not talking anything like yeah. that with any of the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but I just hung out. I just hung around, just hung out, just hung around, hung around. I, I get a chance opportunity to meet uh, the ex-Dodger GM, uh, Dan Evans. Mm-hmm. Um, Calvin made the introduction um, to Dan Evans, and we talked. We had a conversation. I, I come from a background in uh, investment banking, which is, you know, dealing with private clients and dealing with affluent markets. Uh, affluent markets or high net worth clientele uh, in the banking side. And so he says, hey, have you ever thought about representing players? I said, never really thought about it. He says, you're bilingual. You seem to be in the game. You know what's going on. Because I was always on top of the game because I would, you know, I, I would follow the game. I was, I was an avid uh, subscriber to, to Baseball America, Baseball Perspectives, I mean, you you name it, and I was I was I was on it. I was I was I just was in love with the game, and so he says, "Why don't we we try it? Mm-hmm. We have, you know, about six, seven minor league guys that uh, we need someone to help them, and um, would you like to do it?" And I looked at Kelvin. We looked at each other. He says, "Why not?" Yeah. So the way it happened, it was just. I was hanging around, and he got so used to me being at the Urban Youth Academy, and the Urban Youth Academy had produced so many, uh, so much talent at that time, and it was a familiar face. Uh, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right spot. But since I was at the right place at the right spot for a long time, yeah. every every weekend, um, I happened to get the opportunity. And so we started working with uh, West Coast Sports Management, um, and got the opportunity to go out and and really go to Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Colombia, go to Florida, go to Arizona, really get into it and, and really get into the representation, get into contract um, negotiations, get into representing uh, July 2nd kids as far as their negotiations for their contracts and their bonuses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's how I got introduced to that part. So the representation comes because of the fact that uh, my, my previous experience had had nothing to do with baseball, but because I was consistently and, and working every day mm-hmm. um, and not necessarily getting paid for it. And I think that for your listeners, if you're an average guy that wants to get into baseball, you have to understand that uh, there's a grind, and, mm-hmm. and, and people will respect that grind. Right. Um, and and that's the good part about this game. They'll respect the grind that you're putting in because they know that you're working towards getting better at whatever it is that you're trying to do. Absolutely, man. I am so glad that you laid that out there as eloquently as you did because that is exactly what uh, you know this show is about and, and exactly the message that I'm trying to, to to deliver to these these listeners and is exactly what you just said I mean you, it's all about developing relationships it has really nothing to do with how good of a baseball player you were um, there are so many really good ex-ball players that can't get a job in baseball because they don't know how to build relationships you know I know you guys run into them all the time there are guys out there that you know, they can hit a ball 500 feet, but they don't know what to do after they're done playing because they don't know how to build those relationships and, you know, f- find an area of, of expertise that they can build their knowledge on, whether it's coaching or if it's front office or if it's, 
Heck, it could be even in the you know entrepreneur, uh, you know business of entrepreneurship of of building a product that helps your swing or you know in in the example of like Alan Jager and Jager Bands, you know having a product that that uh, that can help kids get better or help uh, you know players develop um, in different ways. So. I, I'm, that's one of the reasons why I really wanted you guys on the show, and I know that collectively the three of you uh, have figured it out, and I think it's just an awesome story. Um, so what's going on down at the Academy? I know you said your dad's down there running things, and you guys have had some really good success over the last few years. Just tell us real quick when it started um, and give us a, you know, a little brief timeline on you know, the, the amount of uh, time that you guys spent in there. And I know it's a grind as well, but I, I think a lot of people would be interested in uh, hearing about what it's like to actually have an academy that isn't run by a major league baseball team like they have in the Dominican. Yeah, this is Calvin. Uh, I, I would say he, he was one of the best friends of my life. I, I know that you got there in 2012. Mm-hmm. And we started back in 2010 uh, with a few players. And then uh, you know, Eli got there in, in 2000, uh, at the end of 2010. I and I got there in 2011, and by the time you got there, uh, you got to see some of the kids that we have brought into the academy. Uh, we have some prototypical, uh, you know, pitchers and you know the catcher, and some guys that you say, you know what, these guys have some talent. These guys have something here, and um, and then you were a big part when we went over in the scout with with the Rangers. And we took that trip to Corn Island, mm-hmm. which you know your 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 audience, you know. If they could Google in uh, Corn Island, they would see you know, how beautiful it is. Uh, we get to see you know, Elvis Cooper, you know, the one kid that we mm-hmm. went to see a bunch of kids in uh, Corn Island. Uh, we picked one that that we thought had a chance to, to become a professional ball player. And, you know, we worked hard with him. And, uh, you know, eventually uh, he signed with the Padres. So you were able to be part of it. You were part of it. Mm-hmm. You saw the kid and at the beginning. And then you saw the keynote at the end when he was signed. Yeah, so I think you've awesome. been you've been around, have been able to uh, be part of the experience as well. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of the coolest experiences I've had in my entire baseball career. I mean, from from beginning to to today, that for sure is something that. Well, and, it, and it's it's really what sparked my interest in getting involved in international baseball, which led to uh, you know other things outside of outside of scouting and why I'm sitting here in, in Cornerbrook, Newfoundland right now doing a radio podcast show with you guys and why I'm going to be going, you know, to different places. So uh, I, I really, really want to say thank you to you guys for, for helping me, um, you know, get involved in that way because I wouldn't have been able to. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to go to the Rangers with any kind of idea if we didn't sit down and uh, figure out a game plan. So that was that was really instrumental in, in in my growth in the game too. So, how many guys would you say from to date have 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 signed out of the academy? I lost count. I'm gonna say about 15, 14, 15, I believe. Wow, that's, that's um, awesome. That's the last number we had. It's really coming along. I remember when we first started. You know, it's it's a huge responsibility when you take on a you know someone's child. You know, I just saw. Now, you saw that when you were uh, power of the you know, everyday operation, you saw that we we were hands on and and we took care of these guys. We were responsible 24 hours, and uh, you know it's a huge responsibility. You know you, you know, when you're housing this kid when they're on on board, uh, and um, I'll say that you know eventually you know when you make an impact 
you know, on this kid's life, not just on the field, but off the field, or, you know, how to behave as a professional and how to behave, uh, you know, off the field, it, it's really what makes them go to the next level because a lot of them have the same talent. It's what you do, you know, off the field mm-hmm. that can help you out, you know, stay, you know, at a professional level. Yeah, I think that, um, Nick, what's, what's important, too, is to really um, – paint a picture for your listeners is to understand that the complexity of an academy that's independent ran uh, as a for-profit business, right, mm-hmm. and a nonprofit as well. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, without the support or sponsorship or a major league team that has uh, 25 30 $100 million for their playing development, that's their budget. Yeah. Right, which includes airfare, includes everything you can think of, and and the players were and the coaches stay in the same quarters. I think that what the what your audience needs to understand is that when you undertake an academy on your own, as you signing players independently to major league organizations, is now you have to provide that million dollar infrastructure, right. that million dollar process, that million dollar facility so to speak, you have to provide that for a player who is 13, 14 years old. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he's getting sick. He has to go to school. Mm-hmm. He's staying with you 24 hours a day. It's not a academy as you would have in New, New, Newfoundland mm-hmm. where, you know, kids get there for two hours or two hours and a half, twice a week. Everybody goes home, and you can give kids homework on what needs to be done, and they'll do it. Right. Unfortunately, the realities of a third world country is if you're not providing what you're asking for, chances are the kid is not going to do it on their own because the parents do not have the means to do it. Got I it. think that's very important to understand. Absolutely. No, and that, is, that, that paints a really good picture because I think a lot of people just assume that, you know, you go out, you find some talented kids and, you know, they come to the field every day and, you know, they get new cleats and this and that, and they learn how to play, and then they get, you know, all these perks, which they don't. You know, like you just said, it's it's a, it's a lot more in-depth than that, and it's a, it's a big-time struggle. What would you say if you had to, you know, pick one or two things that is the hardest, um, I guess the most challenging thing for you guys to do to keep these kids motivated? I mean, obviously – you know, they're looking to basically win a lottery ticket, you know, or, or to, to pluck a lottery ticket here. What is it that, you know, is the hardest thing to keep them grinding every day? You know, as an academy, we we have to have a budget. I mean, obviously, um, and they, they, they need to respect the work that goes into it. Uh, already, when, when we select a kid, you know, 99% of the time, you know, we're going to choose the right one, and they're going to choose the one that is hungry, the one that has that drive. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, maybe one out of 30 may not sign, but uh, it, it, for the most part, you know, in Nicaragua, when, when a kid comes to an academy, you know, he has made a commitment that this is what he wants to do. Right. So you know, it's one of those things where uh, a little similar to the VR, you know, in the sense that, I, we may go to school a little more, but but once they come into academy, and then we isolate them for the family, and they're about five six hundred miles away from the family, you know, they have committed. And uh, I would say the most challenging thing in, in Nicaragua 
one is resources, mm-hmm. uh, being able to uh, to finance an academy, and two, once you have the financing, making sure that that you have the right people, you know, in the upper end academy. Right. I mean, it's got to be extremely difficult for these kids. I mean, it's hard for 18 and 19 year old kids to be away from their families and be on their own, much less being, you know, 13 and 14 years old. So I'm guessing and, you know, I've been around a little bit with you guys and I've learned. But, you know, for the listeners, you know, what's it like for those kids? Are you do you lose their you know, their interest, or I should I say, do they lose interest in the, in the, in the journey and the grind because of that? Or do you find that they actually are, are receptive to it and they're willing to put in the work that it takes despite being away from home? You would think that because of the grind, because of the work that, uh, these kids will lose interest, but it's the other way around. They learn to appreciate, Good. uh, That's the cool. fact that it gets to play baseball every day. Uh, because of the fact that they're seeing the writing on the wall as far as kids who are growing up that they grew up with, kids that went, they went to school with, um, and they're seeing their realities, how these kids' baseball careers may have come to an end because at 13, 14, the family has told little Johnny in Nicaragua, mm-hmm. son, I can't have you playing baseball anymore. You have to carry your own weight. Right. So you have a choice. You you can go to work or you can you can you can do something, but you can't play baseball anymore. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the kids really find out that hey, I'm 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 very fortunate that I'm in an, in a place or an academy that allows me the opportunity to follow and chase my dream. Mm-hmm. And the more that they're in the program, the more they buy into it because of the fact that you get reinforcements. For for example, maybe. Um, in North America, things are a little different, where it's, hey, it's just a workout. Uh, a major league scout is coming out, it's just a workout, or it's just another workout. In Nicaragua, if you got to work out for us, as far as the, the instructors, the director of the academy, for us to say, okay, you can make it to the next workout, which is put you in front of a team. Mm-hmm. So there's two, there's, there's almost like a two-tier process into mm-hmm. where they need to work out in front of us mm-hmm. so they can get approved so we can give them the green light or we can give them the thumbs up so they can so we can showcase them in front of major league organizations yeah because and- of the fact that these kids want to belong to something Right. Yeah, and your reputation's on the line too. You're not going to just take, you know, any kid that comes along with a bat and a glove. They got to prove themselves to you first, so that you can say, okay, yeah, you're good enough for us to showcase. Correct? Absolutely, Nick. Because yeah. if you're scouting, if you're the director of an organization, you're going to fly four thousand miles, leave behind a workout in Venezuela because I just called you and told you I have a player for you. Right. So if this guy's not a player. Guess what's going to happen next time I call? I'm not going to answer. That phone call doesn't get answered. <laughs> that's right. This is, you know, that's why it's important that you have that quality control because of mm-hmm. the fact that your reputation and your word and your name is all you have. What's your competition like there? How many, how many operations, how many academies are are fully functional in uh, in Nicaragua right now? Who are you competing against? Well, not who, but how many? Well, check this out. Um, the beauty of it is. Because of our success, I believe that we've inspired or even motivated other people to do it. 
when we first started, and you can remember, Nick, there was probably three or four right. people out there. Mm-hmm. Now there's a total of 36 programs. What? In Nicaragua. Wow. Yes. That's incredible. I had no idea that number was going to be so big. I thought you were going to say 10 or 12. No, 36. Wow. Are most of them run out of Managua or are they all over? Uh, they're all over, mm-hmm. but you have out of Managua gets the lion's share. Mm-hmm. Managua has, uh, you know, a lot of guys, uh, big cities like Leon. Yeah. Um, you have Rivas. Uh, you know, the big the big cities get, get the large amount. But, you know, in in reality, we don't look at it as competition or we don't look at it as, as competitors. Mm-hmm. We really look at it as just simply, you know, other, other programs because of the fact that, um, you know, we – it, it all depends on what you're looking for and what you do with it after you find it. Okay. Would you say that this is helping you guys because it's bringing more attention to the country so that more teams will want to go down and find players? Or, or does it hurt you because now players have more options to go to other academies so that it's starting to thin out? How does that work for you? Frankly, I would say it hurts us because of the fact that other programs run things differently, and they may not have that quality control, mm-hmm. or they may not have that process. Um, they may not have the expertise. They mm-hmm. may not have, I would say, the know-how, or may not see the the business in a holistic view to see how how it works from the top to the bottom, from the bottom to the top, mm-hmm. uh, to understand what it takes for you to sign a professional athlete. Uh, is is not like you like what you just said. It's not just grab a kid with a bat and a glove and give him a trial. No, right. unfortunately, it's hurting us because not all programs have the same values and the same, uh, I would say, expertise. Right. You saw what you. Um, I'll say this is something problem too because a lot of scouts they will show up to uh, to a stadium and they're looking for quality players and unfortunately it's not there. So a lot of times uh, people see that you can run an academy, they think that anybody can do it, but it doesn't work that way. Not with baseball. Right, right. So speaking of that, let's jump uh, to the States. So you guys got all that going on down there, which is, I mean, it's incredible how much work you got involved with it. Three, three guys with the help of uh, your dad and some instructors. But now you jump across the border here and you're in the States and you're in the hotbed of Southern California and you guys are successful there as well. What, tell us a little bit about what you're doing there and I believe you just uh, became uh, player development for, for one of the local high schools there too. So tell us about that. Before we left to the Bravo, before we make that the journey, you know, one of us was overseer, whether it was Eli, whether it was my brother Silvio, and, and then I was over there. Mm-hmm. So they were always working here with guys like Drew Bowser, you know, a kid that, and I don't know if Eli told you, but he's, uh, he committed to, to Stanford mm-hmm. uh, as a freshman. Okay. Uh, so that was, it, you remember Drew very well, right? Yeah, I do. I remember when he was, you know, 10 or 11 yeah. years old. Yeah. Right. So so, so then I... Coming over to, to the United States and been here consistently for the last four years now, uh, we established ourselves and we have, we're producing ball players. We're taking the same intensity, the same program, development program that we had over in Nicaragua. We're bringing it over to America. 
the only difference here is that he will only have the players for like two and a half hours. Right. It, which which is a big deal because over there we have them for you know twenty four hours, mm-hmm. and we work out in the morning over there, work out in the afternoon, uh, and, and then we have the weight room and so on and so on. Here, you know, the player comes in for about two two and a half hours, but the work we go at it with the same passion. We go at it. We want to make every kid the best they can be, uh, and we have the best interest in mind. You know, we and I think that when we have that kind of approach, that kind of mentality, that. You know, we see a problem with the swing or with the arm action. You know, we we try to fix it. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, you know, we we try to teach all the kids uh, the same thing, but obviously they're all going to learn at a different level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're all going to take in something different. Uh, and when it comes to, like, you know, arm actions and swing, we don't try to teach them our swing or nothing like that. It's just... Whatever works for them, you know, and and, and really, uh, when it comes to to kids in America, uh, they have a lot of options in America. Yeah. They so they're sometimes the focus level you know, is a little bit different than a kid in Nicaragua. Kid in Nicaragua is all he has baseball. Right. Here, you know, they have football, basketball. You know, they have iPhones. They have you know, sleepovers. They have too many activities going on, mm-hmm. which is good. You know, it's good for those guys that can handle that. But for some kids, you know, they get deviated. Yeah. Um, going going back, uh, you know, here in Encino, we we currently have three teams. We work with 14U, 13U. Uh, we finish uh, 12 in the nation uh, at the 14U level, you know, in Arizona, oh, uh, which that was great because we just with a team in uh, in January, so we we worked hard mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to. Uh, Play well. We beat one of the best uh, team in the trial ball uh, showcase, which is the uh, San Diego show. They are like a, a legendary team, mm-hmm. and uh, we were able to beat them. And we uh, we did play some great ball in Arizona. That's awesome. Would you say um, that the kids in the states? You know, because of, of the reasons that you just mentioned, you know, they have all these other distractions. They have, you know, more opportunities. They have, you know, more resources. And, of course, the parents are, you know, thinking different things. Um, do you find that it's easier to work with them, or do you find that the kids in Nicaragua are easier to work with uh, for the same reasons, you know, for the for the opposite reasons? Well, you can look at it from two points of view. It all depends on what you want to uh, return. Because of the fact that the kids are, it all depends on the clientele that you have as well, the kids that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Because of the fact that they have so many options, baseball is not necessary for them to feel, for them to, to fulfill their dreams. Baseball is something that they want to do. Right. Baseball is something that they love right. to do. But it's not a matter of life or death. It's really not. If if a kid once he gets to high school and he doesn't play baseball anymore, you right. know, from the kids that we work with, they know they're going to college anyways. Right. Yeah. Good point. They'll love to play in college for the experience, but they already they they know they're going to go to college. Right. Yeah. It's, um, it's not a necessary. It's not a need. But in Nicaragua, right. but in Nicaragua, it is life or death situation because of the fact that this is if in fact you have an organization that has signed 15 other kids an organization says hey we believe you could be the next guy to sign this kid is saying 
I, and the family saying, we didn't know we had this lottery ticket. Mm-hmm. How do we cash it in? Mm-hmm. And there is no, there is no college opportunity for that kid if he doesn't sign. He's going to work, right? No, there's no, there's no junior college. There's no college opportunity. No, he's, he's got to figure out yeah. what he's going to do. Drive a taxi cab, drive a bus. Work on a farm or you whatever. Know, yeah. uh, work on a farm is just, that's the reality. Herd cows. Yeah. Um, that's the reality of what it is out there. It's not, you, you don't have um, the flexibility or you don't have the safety net of dual income parents. Right. That, you know, may make six figures, so mm-hmm. to speak. Sure. So if you guys had to give, uh, I'll let you each go around, and it's okay if if you both, uh, if two of you say the same thing, it's all right. But just curious if you had one little piece of advice to give someone out there, say a kid that, uh, or or even a even a dad, even a even a mom, you know, just some individual that that feels like they really have a passion for the game, they they love the game, they want to give back, they want to figure out how to get out of their day job because they're tired of, uh, you know, working in a cubicle or whatever, and they want to know, you know, how can I make a living in baseball, uh, you know, f- starting from scratch? What, what would you guys say the first thing to do? I know it's a tough one, so uh, take your time. <laughs> First is, is, is have an honest assessment of where your skills lie. Okay. Um, is have an honest assessment of where um, you would consider yourself skilled or highly skilled or something that you do very well already in, in your particular career. Mm-hmm. But obviously baseball mm-hmm. is different. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the biggest misconceptions, I would say, people who are not in the business is because of the fact that they look at baseball at the same way they look at movies. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. The, the the game itself, the game is the product. The entertainment. And yeah. just because you don't have movie star good looks, that doesn't mean you can't work in Hollywood. Right. Just because you're not the actors doesn't mean you cannot be a producer, a director, a director's assistant, mm-hmm. an executive producer, a writer, a screenwriter, Right. Uh, it's there's a whole industry behind it that if you're just looking at the game itself and how do I get into that game? Yeah, that's going to be very difficult. You're going to get a lot of no's, mm-hmm. and you may get no's all the way till you go back to finding a day job mm-hmm. because you're just looking at it at the product. Okay, so that in itself is going to provide you a lot of no's. But what you have to look is as as the industry as a whole. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. once when you look at the industry as a whole, then you find opportunities because of the fact that not every filling, not everybody's filling those positions. And what you'll have is that not everybody is willing to work as much as they say they are in the game. Let's, let's be frank. Here you go, uh, Nick Holmes. You're, you're very comfortable. You have your academy in Sherman Oaks. Uh, you have clientele. You have everything you want. And here you are in a third world country in a river that's tur- there's a lot of you know waves and you're in a dinghy and you're trying to figure out if you're going to make it out alive all <laughs> because you want to scout a kid that you heard was pretty good mhm mhm who's willing to do that that's right yep no that's good that's a that's a really good answer a good analogy what about say kelvin uh from the coaching side of things what about a guy who uh 
you know, played Little League and didn't even make his high school team. But he, you know, he knows the game. He's, uh, you know, he's got some some insight on, you know, how to get through to a kid and wants to, you know, he's coached his kid's little league team for a few years. And he's just, like I said, he's he wants to figure. I, I'm asking this because I get these questions a lot and I get emails a lot from guys that are like, how do I get into coaching? How do I get into scouting? So I wanted to, to get some more answers from him by asking guys like, like you guys um, to see what you would say. So, you know, I'm sure you've had the same question asked, but w- what would you say to a guy like that? Would you like me to answer the coaching first or the scouting first? Because the co- coaching's fine. Yeah, as, either uh, one. Just like I mean, you okay. know, if, if a guy says, you know, I, I want to work in baseball, man. I'm tired of doing construction. What what kind of advice would you get him to start off as a volunteer or to you know keep that side job? You know, what what would you do? Well, we definitely want to keep your you know you know keep your job first. Mm-hmm. You know, keep your job first, and you know, and try to get in slowly. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, you you want to once you feel comfortable that that you can leave your your day job and you want to get into coaching, uh, you know, you go ahead and do that. But but make sure that you know you you're able to finance yourself because it's a tough road. Mm-hmm. You know, coaching, scouting, instructor, it's a tough road, and just like every business, you know, the first few few months, the first few years it's going to be tough it's going to be a struggle mm-hmm. uh we struggle a lot in the past um but you know things work out we uh, we have grown a lot uh in us professional and you know whether it's for our whether it's here but i'll say you know, if if baseball is your passion go ahead and follow it yeah because there's nothing more beautiful than to do baseball all day you know we, we're very blessed to be on the field you know, all day mm-hmm. that's, that's our office um, in terms of you know how to go about becoming a coach, how to go about becoming an instructor, uh, if you're gonna become a coach, you know just make sure that you not only you come around someone that is currently coaching, whether he's over there in Canada, whether he's coming here in the state, right. uh, do an internship, um, just just get around the game and, and just volunteer, yeah. volunteer around people that that are doing great work right now right. That, that you can learn from. I was very fortunate, you know, that I that we're at the academy learning from big leaguers like Kenny Landrieu, uh, James Bishop, you know, Lorenzo Gray, Del Miller, Ike Hampton, Vic uh, yeah. Harris, uh, you know. And then I had a mentor that was a scout for like 30 years in Dog Takaragua. So I was very fortunate to have a lot of these resources right next to me all the time. Mm-hmm. And I was picking the brains all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it comes through volunteer, you know, I've volunteered for a long time. Uh, as an instructor, if you want to become an instructor, okay, first of all, is learn how to how to evaluate what is it that you're trying to fix, mm-hmm. okay? And then you have to have many drills to fix that, the particular deficiency, mm-hmm. whether it's the hitting part, whether it's the throwing part, or it's infield, pitching, whatever it is that you're working on, uh, learn to evaluate and learn and have solutions for it. Right. Be honest. Right. Be honest with the parent. You know, even though they're gonna be upset at you, but have transparency. Right. Be transparent. You know, don't don't mislead the parents in saying that this kid's gonna be the next Mike Trout or the next Harper. <laughs> Just be as honest as you can. You know, if they don't like it, 
at least they can respect the fact that you were honest with them, but they cannot come to you and say, oh, you misled me. You told me that McKee was going to go in the first round, and he didn't even get signed. Right. Okay, don't. You just be honest. Um, be realistic with the kid uh, at the same time. You know, have a goal in mind. That's why you evaluate them first, and then you go to work based on the evaluation that you did on this particular kid. Yeah, I think you... Uh, that's from a... Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say you, that's... Those are all great points. I mean, and it starts with with like what Eli said a, a little while in, earlier in the interview about hanging around the right places, being in the right place at the right time. I mean, you're not gonna, you know, no one's gonna ask you to coach their kid if you're not hanging out at the ballpark, right? If you're not if you're not learning how to do it from other coaches and you know, networking and building relationships and, and learning from different different guys. Yeah. Let me, I think Calvin brought up some great points, and I think you make great points as well, Nick. But what's important as well is to understand that baseball has different levels. Um, you know, just as you could have a great kindergarten teacher, a great elementary school teacher, middle school teacher, high school, and professor, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that's the way baseball works. And so it's not necessarily a knock if you're a great literally coach. I right. think that you can use that experience. And that can take you to different places. Um, we just got point. done, um, you know, we spent a week with uh, Baseball USA staff that was here getting ready to go to Taiwan, and we spoke with some of their coaches and how they got started. So there was uh, one particular coach that he was the uh, – he was a literally coach. Mm-hmm. But because of the fact that he, he stayed in it and he's working, they got to see him, he got to volunteer for USA Baseball – one thing led to another, and then now he's part of the staff. Yeah. Now that's a great point. I like that. So, I like that level uh, analogy. That's great. Yeah. So it, uh, on that point is you have to see where, where where baseball is happening. You have to be around, and people have to be comfortable that they're the that you're there. So for instance, in 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 your neck of the woods. I'm pretty sure there's there's got to be somewhere where there's a lot of games happening. There's a lot of high school kids. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of college kids. There's a lot of little league kids. There's some. There's a hub. There's have to be a hub. Sure. Well, you got to be around there. You got to talk to people. You don't don't be scared of shaking people's hands and introducing yourself. Right. I think that's where a lot of people sell themselves short. That's they a- do not shake hands and introduce themselves. Great point, man. Great point and an excellent point to end on there, man. Guys, I am so happy that I got to to track you guys down and get you together here for the last 45 minutes. It's been something I've wanted to do for the last few weeks. So thank you, thank you for sharing all of your uh, stories and and input and information and and all that stuff. It's been fantastic. You know, whether whether someone someone wants to be a coach or an instructor or, or a scout, you know, if they can learn on their own how to throw BP and how to how to use a fungal, uh-huh. those two things, man, will open up a lot of doors. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. You know, I... Learn how to throw BP and, and use a little fungal. Believe me, like we always like here in Encino, we're always looking for people for for for, for workers that that can help us. You know why? Because we may be busy doing something else, and we need somebody to just hit fungal. We need somebody to throw BP. That's right. You know, um, so if you're looking to get in the game from a play development standpoint on the, on the field, you know, throwing BP and using a fungal will take you a long way. Um, yeah. uh, also, Nick, we're going to be working uh, in the play development at Sarah Canyon, and we're going to have our stuff here. If in the future we can talk more about 
maybe we can work something out where, where if, if there's anyone there from around where you are uh, in Canada, if, if they want to come over uh, for, for a couple of weeks, for a week, and they can just do like a, a like an internship here in which they just, they just observe everything we do, you know, and sure. they can be, they can get in and, and, you know, do, do some soft sauce, do some fungo and, Sure. We can work something out. Yeah, no, that'll be a lot easier when I get onto the West Coast, you guys. I'm going to be heading over to uh, uh, BC on uh, Vancouver Island starting in September for my next uh, World Baseball experience. I'm going to be doing the same thing I did here in Newfoundland, only over there as a technical director for the Nanaimo Baseball Association. I started a two-year contract with them in, in September. So being on the West Coast, Southwest Airlines flies back and forth, easy flights. It'll be a lot easier for me to get guys down there. They already love going to Arizona. In fact, we missed each other by we were there the same week. Remember, we talked about that, and both of us were so busy with our teams that we forgot to pick up the phone and talk to each other. But, um, yeah, that's going to be something that I'm definitely going to be looking in, into, and I will be in touch with you. You can mark my word about trying to get us to bring a team down to you and possibly maybe even getting you guys to come up and, and play with us. So, uh, but, but what you're saying on the coaching uh, part of stuff, that's a great idea. You know, get, get a little, maybe get a group of some, some coaches that are looking to do some internship and bring them down to California, and you guys can, can help us train them. That would be fantastic. And what you said about the fungo and the BP, I had a conversation just last week with some of the coaches. I, I have 12 coaches or 13 coaches under my wing here that I'm teaching in this program, and most of them are between the ages of 16 and 25. Um, I got four oh, guys. Wow. I got four guys that I have. I've spent weeks already just showing them how to throw BP and to hit a fungo because of what you just said. I told them, how can you expect to be a coach if you can't throw BP or hit hit fungo? That's those are the two biggest things of the job. <laughs> those are the two biggest yeah. parts of the job. Yeah. I said I don't care if you ever tell a kid anything about his hitting mechanics, but you got to be able to get in that cage and throw some BP so that we can get some work done. <laughs> Yeah, you got it, Nick. Yeah, I want to be head chef, but that cooking, boy, that throws me for a loop. Yeah, I want to be head chef, but I don't know how to dice an onion. That's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, God. Well, guys, great again. I'll let you get back to your day. I know it's, uh, what are you, about four and a half hours behind me right now, so you're probably getting hungry and want to get home to dinner. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's all I can say, and we will definitely do this again. What do you say? Absolutely. Count on us, Nick. Anytime, buddy. Hey there, Nick Holmes again. Just wanted to say thank you very much for listening to Love the Game, Live the Dream, brought to you by World Baseball Experience. And if you get a second, please head over to worldbaseballexperience.com and put your email address in there, subscribe to our free newsletter. It's not really a newsletter. It's just me collecting your email address so that I can send you uh, updates and new podcast information, maybe some photos and things like that. But don't worry, I don't have the time to spam anybody. So I promise that uh, I'll only be sending you quality information. <laughs> well, maybe not so much quality, but entertaining nonetheless. If you enjoyed today's episode, please pass it on to all of your seamhead friends out there, your baseball enthusiasts. If you didn't like this episode, then you're probably not still listening. So I appreciate your time, and once again, this is Nick Holmes signing off. We'll see you next time on Love the Game, Live the Dream. Take care.